morning, afternoon, or evening for wherever you may be joining us from today. Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. No other name that has such power. There's no other name that has such great power. Such a simple song, but it's got such depth. When you just simply say, there's no other name I know. Thank you for exalting that name today and worshiping with this team as we've set the stage to receive his word. So great to be able to come into the presence of God together. I know for myself, it is sometimes a struggle to push past my flesh coming into the house of God and, and getting out of everything that's happened in my life this week and, and there's just parts of me that are tired and trying to get a toddler up in the mornings and get them dressed and get them to church and you're tired and you're worn out but there's just something about when I come into the presence of God that when I just push past it all and I get into the depth not just at the surface. Sometimes we can come and we can be at the surface and we're okay at the surface. But when we get into the depth of what He has for us, I believe it's in those deep moments where we find the thing that sustains us. We find the thing that sustains us through life. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. I'm going to preach today and it's a privilege to preach to you this morning. Um, it's, it's an honor to be able to come before the, the church this morning and bring the word. I give honor to our great pastor this morning who uh, is on a well-deserved rest. He has carried a tremendous load and responsibility over the last 18 months during this pandemic. It's hard when you do ministry, and I know some, some of you probably can relate to this in your family life when you live long distances away from your family. And, and for Sister Sherry, she's uh, originally from the U.S., so her family is in the U.S., and she has not been able to see her family in close to two years. Um, and so I know that this is just a great time of refreshing for them to be able to travel, um, and they have to deal with all of the COVID quarantine and travel things that go with it and they were hesitant to do it because they felt like it's going to put them away for a long period of time and I told them you guys need to go and you need to relax and you need to see your family you need to get your son settled in school and so I'm so thankful that they're gone and we have an amazing team of people here to make this church run. I'm so thankful that we have great volunteers. There's people who showed up here today at 8.30 in the morning to get the church turned on and to get the sound turned on and to get everything functioning here. And, and we have such an amazing team of people. And so I just give kudos to our, our senior team, to our volunteers who are making it happen. No, nothing will get forgotten. Nobody will get missed. We won't get halfway through service and realize we forgot to start the live stream. 
we're here and we're going to have an amazing opportunity to spend in the presence of God as we go forward today. And so uh, I give honor to my pastor for the opportunity to speak. Um, Next week, you're not going to want to miss it. We have uh, another uh, great men of God in our church who is going to minister. I'm not going to tell you who it is yet because I want there to be anticipation all week long. Um, We got Brother Ricardo Hatfield the weekend after, and I encourage you to be a part of that. Um, And it's just going to be an amazing opportunity to, to, to worship with him. All right, I'm going to preach to you today uh, for a few moments. Um, Let me start my timer here, because I know that somebody will go back and look at how long the live stream was. (laughs) You used to be able to preach, and people thought you preached long, and nobody really had a good gauge of how long you preached, but now they go back and look at the the video length, and they can see how long you preached, and it's exposes you a little bit. So I won't be long today, but I believe that um, I've got a word from the Lord for somebody. I'm going to preach from a portion of scripture that I haven't preached from before, and I don't know if I've ever really heard anybody preach on before. Um, It's found in 2 Kings. 2 Kings, and we're going to read in chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 7 through 15. It'll be on the screen if you want to follow along, or you can look it up on your own Bible or your phone, whatever you're following with. 2 Kings chapter 8. Verses 7 through 15. The text says this, Then Elisha the prophet went to Damascus, and Benadad, king of Syria, was sick, and it was told to him, saying, The man of God has come here. And the king said to Hazelel, Take a present in, in your hand, and go meet the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I the king recover from this disease? And so Hazael went to meet him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads. And he came and stood before him and said, Your son, Benadad, king of Syria, has sent me to you, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? And the prophet Elisha said to him, Go and say to him, You certainly shall recover. However, the Lord has shown me that he will really die. Then he set his countenance in a stare until he was ashamed, and the man of God wept. And Hazelel said, Why is my Lord weeping? And the prophet answered and says, Because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds you will set on fire, their young men you will kill with the sword, and you will dash their children and rip open their women with child. And so Hazelel said, But what is your servant, a dog, that he should do such a gross thing? And Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you will become king over Syria. Then he departed from Elisha, and he came to his master who said to him, What did Elisha say to you about my sickness? And he answered and said, He told me you would surely recover Verse 15, but it happened on the next day that Hazelel took a thick cloth, dipped it in water, spread it over his face so that he died, and Hazelel reigned in his place. I'm titling this message today, Who Let the Dogs Out? Who Let 
the dogs out. Pray with me as we ask God to speak to us through his word today. Lord, I pray that your word today would come forth, not from my own lips, but God, the, the, the word that you have put inside of me would be heard by all those in this room, God, those who are joining us online, God, those who will watch this in the days and weeks to come. God, I pray that you would speak through your word, that God, we need you more than ever in the day and age that we live in, and let us become aware of our need for you, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Who let the dogs out? In our opening text, we read the Old Testament account of an obscure piece of Old Testament history. Uh, The record here is shown of the Syrian king, Benadad, and and he is sick from what we gather in the text, and it's, it's seemingly quite ill because when the king of Syria, Benadad, hears that the prophet Elisha is around, he's in the, the, the city of Damascus, he sends Hazelel to go find the man of God and inquire, am I going to recover from this? Obviously, it was a sickness that was, was more than just a common cold. He's concerned. And so, when king, or when, sorry, the prophet Elisha was requested by Hazelel, we, we are introduced to this character, Hazelel, who is, from what we gather in Scripture, the right-hand man of the king, the right-hand man of King Benadad. He's, he's a, 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 a server in the court of the king, and he has access, intimate access to the king's aid. And Hazelel, he goes and he finds the prophet Elisha, and, and, and the king says, take him gifts, take him gifts and honor him and ask him and inquire about my sickness. And so Hazelel takes him the best of what he could find in Damascus. It says he took 40 camel loads. That's a lot. And he takes it to the prophet to inquire whether or not the king would recover of this illness. And he asked the prophet the question, shall he recover from this sickness? What's going to happen here? What's the future and the fate of the king? And Elisha responds in an interesting way. He says, go tell the king. You're looking for an answer? He will recover from this sickness. Great, great news. However, there's a but. But the Lord has shown me that he will really die. But, but wait, you said he's going to recover from the sickness, but now you're saying he's going to die. So, so which is it? What, what, what storyline are we going with here? And then we get to this kind of weird spot in the story. It's, it says in the, 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 the biblical text that he set his countenance upon him. And really, it's this awkward staring contest between Elisha and Hazelel. Have you ever, you ever had one of those? Like somebody's just staring at you awkwardly? Well, well, if you read, go ahead on the way home, read different versions of the text. It says that he stared at him until Hazelel felt ashamed or he felt uncomfortable. And so, they're basically, Cecile, will you be on my partner? Elisha just starts to stare at him. And eventually, Hazelel... He starts to feel ashamed. And then Elisha, staring, just begins to weep. And, and Hazelel's like, what's going on here? This is kind of strange. Why are you weeping? And the prophet, Elisha, says, because I have seen what you are going to do to the people of Israel, the children of Israel. You're going to go to war with these innocent Israelites, and you're going to destroy their men, and you're going to destroy their children, destroy the innocent bloodshed. And he's weeping. 
And what's Hazel's response? What are you talking about? I'm the, I'm the king's second-hand man. I'm his, I'm, I'm his, his, his chief aide of, his chief of staff. Am I such a dog that you think that I would do this? Am I such a dog that you think that I would betray my king? And Elisha simply says, I have seen that you will become the king of Syria. And I find this story so interesting, and, and I don't think I've ever really slowed down to focus on it before. Because what, what I see happen in, in one moment, in a quick moment in Scripture, we see Hazelau going from defending his character, defending his integrity, saying, who am I but a dog that you think I would betray my king? And in the next breath, He's a cold-blooded murderer. It's a quick change in the text of our story. It would seem as though this was not just a decision that he made in a rash moment. It must have been something that had been in his heart, something that, that, that had been stirring. And the man of God, Elisha, had been given insight by God on what was going on in the heart of Hazelel. And, and, and maybe in this story today, as we unpack more of it, you struggle to find yourself in it. Whenever I read scripture, I try to find myself in the text. Because it's, it's a pretty brash and it's a pretty cold situation. But, but here's what Jeremiah says in 17 and 9. And it's something you've probably read before. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And, and while I struggle to understand how Hazelau goes from one extreme to the other, I do understand that a heart apart from God, a heart without Jesus as their Savior, is a wicked and an evil place. Even the most noble people among us. Now, now understand, Hazelau is not a child of God. Hazelel wasn't one of God's people. He wasn't somebody that we know of had a, a, an open relationship with the God of the Old Testament. I'm sure he probably was aware because he's going to get the prophet and, and ask for insight. But Hazelel is not one that we would say is an open, outright believer in God. And without God in your life, without a Savior, your heart is a wicked and an evil place. Well, you say, well, hey... I'm watching online today. I just clicked the link and now I'm a part of your church and you're telling me that I'm an evil and a wicked person. I do good things. And yes, there are many noble people, people that you and I are friends with. We have family members who wouldn't confess to be a Christian. They wouldn't confess to know God and they do noble things. Maybe they run a charity. Maybe they run uh, an organization that helps people. And... But without God, we have an issue. And it is something that's called the sin issue. It's called the flesh issue. That this flesh that I live in, I've inherited a sinful, corrupt man. And the heart is an evil and corrupt place. Who can know it? And so while I understand it might be hard to fit yourself exactly in the story today, I can tell you from personal experience that I need Jesus. I need him to change my heart or else this place inside of me becomes a place that I don't even understand it because my motives and my actions, they do things that are contrary to what I want to do. 
I need Jesus. And, and in this story, I see Hazelel, and he's presented with the reality of his heart. He's presented by the prophet Elisha with the reality of his heart. This is what you're going to do. It's a reality check moment. And his immediate response and reaction is to push back against the man of God and take offense. His immediate reaction in that moment is to push back and say, what am I, a dog that you think that I would stoop to that level? That, that, that I, would, I would do such actions like you're telling me I'm about to do? He's got a reality check moment from the man of God and he's pushing back. How dare you accuse me, he says. And at first when I read this, I thought, man, that guy is arrogant. He's no doubt thought this through. You don't just commit cold-blooded murder overnight. He's no doubt had thoughts in his mind that he wants to take power of the throne. He's no doubt had thoughts in his heart about how what he would do if he was in charge of the military and how he would treat those Israelite camps. And here he stands and says, how dare you accuse me? When the whole time in the back of his mind, he's probably already thought through ten times how it's going to happen. And I thought, man, that's some sort of arrogance. Here's a, a moment where he's in front of the man of God, the prophet, and, and it, potentially it's a moment where it could be a course correction or it could be a moment of, 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 of turning in Hazelel's life. And he pushes back. But then I got thinking, do I ever do that? You know, here I am accusing him of being the arrogant one in the story. But do I ever do that where I can get to a place where my flesh is in control, where I've allowed there to be a stronghold in my flesh and, and, and perhaps there's a moment of revelation, there's a God moment, an encounter in his presence. I'm in a service of worship where there's a man or a woman of God in my life. And they say, hey, there's some red flags going off here. I see the potential for something to go sideways in your life. And would I ever have the tenacity to push back and say, wait, who, me? What am I, a dog that you think I would walk away on my wife, or I would be addicted to, to, to drugs, or I would be uh, wrapped up in this uh, idolatry or this lustful thing, and who do you think I am? Would I ever find myself in that place? And as I started to read this story and unpack it, the, the word that kept coming to my mind, and I'll tell you why, but uh, the word that kept coming to my mind was self-awareness. Self-awareness. Am I aware of myself? Because I think that as Christians, we have to have a self-awareness. A self-awareness of who we actually are. And, and, and I'm going to unpack that in two ways. Because yes, we are children of God, but we also live in a corrupt flesh. And if we don't have a self-awareness of my flesh tendencies, I feel as though we can sometimes get to a place where we push back against the thought that we could ever violate one of God's principles. Who, me? No, no, no. You must be talking about somebody else who has more of one of those outwardly sins happening. Who, me? But I think as Christians, we have to have an awareness of my flesh. 
Because when we have an awareness of our flesh, we can do something with our flesh. When we have an awareness of our limited ability to control our flesh, we have to lean into something greater than ourselves. Am I aware of my heart problem? Am I aware of my heart problem? You know, I think in North America we struggle with this because our life can look so good. We, we have a, a great job and we have a, a, a great family or a, we have a house. We're blessed in this crazy housing market to have property. and We have everything going and sometimes we read that scripture that says the heart is evil and wicked. And we say, well, what do you mean? Evil and wicked, that's like the witchcraft stuff. That's like that weird out there stuff. But I think one of the tactics of the enemy is to get us numb to our flesh. To get us numb to the reality that our flesh sometimes has a hold of us when we don't even know it. And like Hazelel, we're standing there saying, I could never do that. You've got the wrong guy. And in a moment, we can turn. And we've done something. We've gone to a place farther than we ever thought we might go. I think one of our enemy's greatest tactics is to get us to the point where we are unaware of the power of the flesh and his influence over us. If he can get us to a place where we are not self-aware of his influence in our flesh, in our life, we can be operating in a sinful nature, a fleshly nature, and not even be aware of it. We don't even know that the devil has a stronghold in a certain area of our life, and we think, who me? Am I but a dog that I would do that? Am I but a dog that I would fall into that trap or that temptation or that snare of the enemy? Self-awareness. Maybe that word came to my mind because my wife showed me a video the other day. Uh, We oftentimes just send each other videos of, of parenting and kids and child development, stuff that we're into right now because we have a child. And she sent me this video, and I'm going to play it for you. Uh, if you guys can get that ready to cue it up, it's, it's got video and it's got some sound. Um, and, and I want you to watch this video, because well, as soon as I watched this video, I, I just felt like God was saying to me, you need to use that to preach to somebody. Because I think in this video, it captures the essence of what I'm talking about today with our own awareness of ourself. So go ahead and play that video. I hope you can see the connection I'm about to make here. You see... They discovered that when you have a lack of self, you struggle to move. Now, the girl in that video, it just so happened that Jonathan was just so smart in that video. But the girl did a better job because she actually, you know, moved the blanket. But, but I watched that and I thought, that is so good that... I am a problem. I have a problem. My problem is my flesh. My problem is that I am a person who is corrupt by design, by nature of this flesh. And that when I am not aware of it, I struggle to move. I struggle to go to the places that I desire to go to. I struggle to get any sort of traction in in the things of life and the things of God that he has called me to. And it's not until I recognize that I am the problem, that my flesh is a stumbling block, that my flesh has power on me, and I can get myself out of the way. 
And then I can continue to move. I can continue to grow. I can continue to survive and succeed in the things of God. I saw that child, they were getting frustrated, and they're, they're getting frustrated. They can't move, and they're trying to climb on top of it, and they're trying to do different things. And we as Christians can get frustrated because we don't see ourselves growing, and we look at others around us, and our life isn't as successful as theirs, and, and things are going upside down, and we're getting frustrated, and no amount of crying, no amount of frustration is going to solve the problem. The only thing that solves the problem is if I recognize that I have a problem. Myself is the problem. And I need a God to take care of my flesh and to come and cover me with his blood to give me victory over this flesh so that I can get out of the way and I can continue into the places that he's called me to. I I just feel like sometimes as Christians we get stuck feel like I'm not growing. I feel like I've been in the same spot every year for the last 10 years. And there's something that we just can't get over in our flesh that's keeping us stuck. I believe that God requires us to have a level of awareness of ourselves. He wants us to be aware that we need him. As I said, in the North American society we live in, we don't think we need anything. We, we have it all. We are our own uh, creator of what we need. But God wants us to be aware of the fact that, yes, you can create for yourself many things. But the one thing you can't is victory over this. This thing called my flesh. This thing called my carnal nature. The one thing that I can't do is give victory. The devil can get us to be unaware of our sin problem. We can just live with it in the background and we say it's no big deal. Things that I entertain my mind with, the things that I do to entertain my, my, my mind and, and, and the places that I go and the way that I live, it's not really a sin issue. It's just that's one of my free choices. It's one of my Christian liberties. The devil can trip us up to think that our flesh is okay, to think that it is okay that our flesh controls us. This is what our life looks like. This is what it looks like. Are we self-aware today? There's a danger in not being aware of ourself. I think we can for, I think we forget what can happen when we're not walking with Jesus. I think easily we can forget what happens when we walk with Jesus because if we really knew how far we could get, we would not allow ourselves to drift as easily as we do. Hazelel, what am I, a dog? You think, that I would, you think that I would do what you're telling me I'm about to do? What am I, a, a, a bad Christian that you think that I'm going to walk out on my family? You think I'm going to walk out and have an affair? You think I'm going to walk out on my kids? You think I'm going to pick up that, that temptation, that addiction? What do you think I am? The devil can have us so numb to the small things in our heart that it leads us into places that we never thought we would go. It leads us into a path that we never thought we would go. Key point for today is we must become aware of who we are and our need for Jesus. Maybe you're watching online today and it's your first time in church. I want you to know today you have a need for Jesus. 
You have a need for a Savior to come and forgive you of every sin, to give you victory over your flesh, to give you salvation today so that you don't have to live in that place. Hazelel denied his need for help. He denied he had any problems and that his sinful nature could take him to a place like it did. And it's in the New Testament where I see a similar situation, albeit with a different ending. But I see another moment where there's a, a similar reckoning of self that takes place. In Acts chapter 9, we read about Saul. Saul, who many of us would know as the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the, the latter parts of the New Testament. But before he was the Apostle Paul, we know him as Saul. And, and we read a, a story and a recount in Scripture of another self-reckoning moment for Saul. And, and, and we'll just read a few verses of his story today. Acts 9, verses 1 through 6. Acts 9, verses 1 through 6. And it starts out in verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. Similar location. So that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So if, you, if you're not aware of the Apostle Paul's backstory, he used to be Saul, the guy who was a persecutor of the way. And the way was simply those who were believing and following after this Jesus. And, and, and Paul, Saul thought he was doing good. He thought that he was doing good because the way he saw these believers and followers of Jesus is they were heresies. They were following this false prophet. They weren't following the Old Testament laws and traditions. And so from, from Saul's point of view, he was doing what he thought was right. And, and, and in Acts 9, he's getting a letter from the, 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 the high priest to go out and continue his exploits where he would, he would go out and gather those who were the followers of the way and persecute them and beat them and even kill them. And so he gets permission from the high priest of the Old Testament uh, church model, if you will. In verse 3, as he journeyed and came near Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's another self-reckoning moment in the word of God where Saul has found himself on his knees and the man of God, this case it's from the word of God himself, is calling him out and pulling to the surface the, the deeper, darker revelations of his heart. I know you thought you were doing the right thing, Saul, but here's the reality. You're not. Here's the reality. It is me, Jesus, who you are persecuting. It's not just those people, but you're breaking my heart. You're, you're hurting my bride when they persecute those people. And we remember Hazelel's response to the man of God. Who, me? What am I, a dog? But Saul, he has a different response. Saul has a different response, which leads to a different outcome. In verse 5, Saul 
says to this voice he hears, shining in the light, who are you, Lord? The Lord responds and says, it's me who you're persecuting. And then verse 6, trembling and astonished, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He could have pushed back and said, no, I'm doing the right thing. These people of the way, they're, 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 they're heresies, they're heretics. But his response was, what do I do? When exposed with the reality of our nature, when exposed with the reality of our sinful nature, we're stuck in that place. The response needs to be, Lord, what do I do? If you want to get unstuck. Now, now, I think it's in verse 5. Throw verse 5 back up there for a moment. He says, it is hard for you, Saul, to kick against the goads. Now, that's, that's added into the text here in Acts. The original, the original text didn't have that in Acts 5, but it's later on in the, in the book of Acts around chapter 26 or something like that. So the, the writers added that in for clarity. But what, what he's saying is a goad was a long pointed stick that, that a farmer would use to steer his ox in a certain direction. And so if the ox got off its path, he would point and, 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 and prod it in the leg. And, and sometimes the oxen would kick back against the goad. They would kick back because I don't want to go that direction. But the problem is when you kick back, you're kicking back into a sharp prod. And, and so I don't believe that this moment that, that, that Saul experienced was just a moment of an instant. Because God had been dealing with Saul. Even while he was cursing threats and casting threats upon those believers, God had already begun to do something in Saul's heart, and Saul was kicking back against the goad. He was kicking back and saying, no, I, I can't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to listen. It's against what I've always known. But he says here, it's hard for you. You know there's a fight and a battle in your heart. There's something that you're doing that you know is not the right thing. And Saul says, what do I do? And I feel like there's some Christians today who, who, who you think maybe your life is going right. You think you're doing the right thing as a Christian. You think you've been in the right, the right way. But there are things that you're doing and there's a wrestling in your heart. And God's been prodding and poking and saying, you need to do this. Or you need to discipline yourself in this area. Or you need to have uh, some sort of accountability here or accountability there. And, and we can kick back against it and say, no, my life won't end up ruined. My life won't end up like that. Or we could simply say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Maybe you're watching today and it's your first time ever hearing the message about Jesus. And, and you felt like your life's been a battle. You felt like there's something you've been missing and you want to cry out, what do you want me to do? He simply wants you to turn to him. He simply wants you to cast your cares on him. He simply wants you to run to him, ask him to forgive you of every sin, to be baptized in his name, to let his spirit fill you. What do you want me to do? We must become aware of our need. What would your reaction be today? I'll ask the music to return. What would your reaction be today if somebody exposed a part of your heart?
I, I asked myself that question as I was putting this message to get together. What would, I, what would my reaction be if my pastor, Pastor Steve, came up to me and said, Jonathan, I, I think there's an area here that we need to consider. Would my initial reaction to, to be, Pastor, what do you need me to do? I just, I, wanna, I, want, I don't want to be controlled by this flesh. I don't want to be hindered by it, but what do I need to do? Or would my response be to push back and say, ah, Pastor, I think you might be talking about Pastor Raymond. I don't, I don't think that's me. I, I think you're talking about somebody else. I think somebody else has that problem. And, and I, I think it's a gauge to me to say, what would my response be to the man of God or the voice of God or the moment where I'm in his presence and he exposes something in my life? Would I be willing to lay down and say, what do you need me to do? Or would I push back because the devil has a stronghold on my flesh and I'm not aware of how much he controls me. You see, here's where I want to change as we wrap this up. We need to be aware of ourselves for two reasons. Reason number one is because our flesh is wicked. You need to know that your flesh is wicked. And when I look at the, the story of Paul, I feel like when I look at Paul, he understood that at a high level. Because whenever I read the writings of Paul after his conversion, I feel like, like, like Paul understands that if he was out of the presence of God for one day, he would feel that pull. Because you read his writings, you read his, his, his scriptures, he's continually talking about putting to death the flesh putting to death the old man because I feel like Paul understood that if I get out of the presence for but a moment of God for but a moment the devil has an opportunity to rush in and to control me once again so we need to understand our our flesh problem but here's the second thing that I think a lot of us don't understand we need to be aware of who we are in Christ because when we deal with the flesh problem when we put it under the blood of Jesus and we allow his spirit to dwell into us, we are no longer captive by this flesh. We are no longer held bound by this flesh, but we can move forward because we've allowed him to come into our hearts and have fellowship. You see, sometimes we live in cycles. I'm in a constant cycle of torment. I'm in a constant cycle of temptation. I'm in a constant cycle. But God doesn't want us to live in that cycle. He has given us victory. Just, just bear with me for a moment. I'm going to shotgun blast you with some scripture as we leave this service. Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have what? We have died to sin. That, that flesh that, that we've become self-aware to, we have allowed it to die. How have we allowed it to die? Through repentance and baptism. Verse 3 of Romans 6 says, Or do you not know that as many of us were buried or baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? When you go into those waters of baptism, that flesh that you're aware of is in the water and it doesn't come back up unless you pick it back up. Therefore, verse 4, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead, we shall walk what? In a newness of life. 
You need to be self-aware of who you are in the newness of Christ, in the newness of life that he's given you. You're not in the old man anymore, but he has raised you into newness of life. Colossians 5 through 10. So put to death the sinful earthly things. See, Paul understood it. I've got to put to death the flesh. Earthly things lurking inside of you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy for greedy people or an idolater. We're reading in Colossians 3, going into verse 6, Robert. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Verse 7, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. You used to do these things back when you were controlled by your flesh, but now you've been released from it. You've been liberated from it because of what God has done through the cross. Jump down with me, Colossians 3, verse 10. You've put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. When you come into a knowledge that, yes, I have a problem. Yes, I have a sin problem, but you allow God to fix it. You come into a newness of an image that was created by him. And you're no longer bound to the old man. 2 Corinthians 5.17, most of you probably know this scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new and I can move forward in my walk with Him because I'm no longer bound by who I used to be. There's an awareness that we need that we have a problem, but there's an even greater awareness that when He fixes the problem, I am released into a life of victory. I am released into a life where that sinful nature has no hold on me. We'll end with this. Galatians Five, starting in verses 16 and 17. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. I say then, walk in the Spirit. Now, when it says walk in the Spirit, I, I, I like that because walking is, a, is an action. It's a, to me, I, I read it as a continual thing. I'm walking in the Spirit. I don't just come into the Spirit on a Sunday. I don't just come in and we sing what a beautiful name it is and feel the Spirit of God, but I am walking in the Spirit. Every day that I live like Paul, I have to know that I can't get out of the Spirit of God. I can't get out of the presence of God because if I do, I know waiting for me in the back is a part of my flesh that I can't control on my own. He says, walk in the Spirit and then you will not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. You know, you're standing there, struggling to get ahead. You're fighting. You're frustrated. You're trying to do life differently. You're trying to get over this thing. Let me ask you this. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you spending time in His Spirit every day? Are you spending time in His presence every day? Because it says walk in the Spirit. And then you will fulfill the lust of what? the flesh, that flesh, that thing that you're struggling with, you'll have victory. Goes on to say, for the flesh, the flesh lusts against the spirit. They're in a battle 
I'm not some super Christian. My, my spirit battles my flesh. There's a battle some days in my flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These two things are contrary to one another. The things that my flesh wants to do is contrary to the things that God is calling me into. And if I let my flesh have control, it says in verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. You'll see them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand that those of you who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. When I let my flesh control me, the works of my flesh are evident, but verse 22, and this is where we'll land as we conclude, but the fruit of the Spirit. There's also something that is evident when I am walking in the Spirit. There's also a reality that I have to understand that when I walk in the Spirit every day, there is a fruit that is formed. There is a fruit that is demonstrated. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It is peace. It is long-suffering. It is kindness. It is goodness. It is faithfulness. It is gentleness. It is self-control. When I walk in the Spirit, the flesh has no control. And those fruit of the Spirit that He wants us to exemplify are on display. So where are you this morning? Stand with me if you will. I pray the Word of God today has made it clear who you are. That there is a self-awareness that rises up in your spirit that says, My flesh is no good. My righteousness is as filthy rags, says the word of God. I can do nothing on my own. But you also pick up a self-awareness today that when you lay it at an altar and say, God, take this flesh from me. And you let his spirit infill you. And you walk in his spirit. That you are now no longer held captive to that flesh. And you now can enter into goodness, faith kindness your anger doesn't have to be anger but you can have patience your fear doesn't have to be fear because you can have peace your marriage doesn't have to be destroyed because he is a restorer I pray today that there's a realization of who we are that because of what God has done through the cross of Calvary he's given us victory over our flesh and allowed us to walk in a newness of life as a new creation. I thank you, Jesus. I don't know who this message has been for today. I know that most of you here by by name that I see in front of me and most of you have been part of church for probably the majority of your life. And maybe you've been walking on a path that is rosy, You haven't had any ups and downs. You've never doubted your faith. I pray that that's the case. I don't know who's joining us online. I don't know who's going to watch this in the next few days. I don't know today if somebody's been struggling and you feel like you've been trying to push that shopping cart and you just haven't been able to get ahead. You just haven't been able to, 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 to move into the places of God where you feel like you should be and you look at your brother or your sister and you say, why can't I get past this thing? this addiction, 
this, this thinking process, this thing that I've been struggling with over and over and over again. And I just wonder maybe today if the devil has made you a little bit numb to this thing that we call the flesh. And we just live with it every day and we say, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. Who am I that you would say it's a problem? And today there's an opportunity as we end this service. If you want to pray, find an altar and just lay it down and say, God, I'm asking you today to just wash me clean of this flesh. I need victory today over it. And the only way that happens is through the infilling and the dwelling of your spirit in my life. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram. And on Facebook, just search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. Now, before you go, we ask if possible from whatever platform you may be listening to us on, give us a rating or a review or even both, and share this message with someone so that they can be impacted by the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.